We're Rachel and Erica, and this is the Autoimmune and You podcast. Neither of us took one answer as our truths when we were diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis, and we want you to do the same. There is so much information out there, so many people telling you what or what not to do, and we know how confusing it can feel. This podcast is about breaking past your limits and fears and realizing that different things work for each of us. You are the creator of your own journey, and guess what? You can do whatever the fuck you want. Hey everyone, welcome back to Autoimmune and You. Um, first of all, wasn't that episode right before this one with Amanda Nova so freaking amazing? Like I re-listened to it and was like listening to the little clip that we put on reels over and over and over because I'm like, this conversation is so freaking good. So if you have not listened to that episode mm-hmm. yet, definitely go back and listen because she's amazing and totally our vibe. And I'm so happy that like she was our first guest. Yep. Um, So today we want to kind of segue into something that is a hot topic on our podcast that you guys love listening to these episodes uh, about diet and about food and mindset and how to know like when food is actually triggering you. And we'll get into like a whole lot of different topics relating to diet, but I think a good place to start is basically talking about The fact that our diets and our lifestyles have changed so much in the last two years since we started our podcast, like as Erica and I were talking about the topic of this episode and kind of preparing and gathering ourselves, we started realizing if we were to tell ourselves two years ago that we were about to have this conversation and then also this other topic that we want to have on our next podcast episode, we're like, we would have been like, uh, what? <laughs> oh my gosh. Absolutely. But it's all part of the process. And what's, what's really weird about this is that you guys get to hear that you get to mm-hmm. see how different things were, but at the same time, I think we're creating this community of non-judgment and like supporting people and making the decisions that feel best for them and not what yeah. they just believe is right. You know, like I, I think back to the beginning of our uh, episodes and I definitely was still in the mentality that a fully plant-based diet, a whole food plant-based diet was the healthiest healing diet, even though I could give other people permission to make those changes, you know, my clients, especially, Mm -hmm. I still was holding a value to myself that as we'll talk about in a little bit, ended up becoming detrimental to my health. Yeah, it's so true. And um, for me personally, I started going plant-based about four years ago because I talked about this on past episodes, actually, where my ex-husband, husband at the time, was like, I think I want to go vegan. And I was like, uh, okay, have fun with that. And then I was like, I, I think I could do it like slowly. I don't know that I could like, you know, pull out everything right away, animal products. But then I thought about it and I was like, really the only things that I eat are like turkey and chicken. Like I don't really eat any other animal products. Like sometimes I ate eggs, but not even that often. Sometimes I ate fish. And so I was like, you know what? Fine. I'm going plant-based too. And then I started realizing like, wait, I feel way better plant-based than I ever felt eating meat with RA. And so then that's why I kept it up. But my whole mentality the entire time of the four years was 
if I ever really, really want something like meat, for instance, I'm going to eat it. Like I'm not going to put myself in this box. But the funny part is I actually, as time went on, kind of did put myself in a box because even though I would never label the way that I was eating subconsciously, Mm -hmm. I did have this mental block of like, oh my God, if I eat meat, I might flare up or, oh my God, if I eat meat, I'm like, you know, not plant-based or whatever. When I outwardly never even put a label on it. So it's like interesting the way the brain will kind of like, you know, weasel its way in to create Mm -hmm. these self-limiting beliefs. Yeah, exactly. And for me, you know, what's really freaking interesting is that I don't think I've ever specifically, I mean, I think I did mention that I did the Pattison program, which if you're listening to this and you have an autoimmune disease, you might be familiar with it just because so many people try so many different things to get their symptoms under control. But when I look back on doing my podcast episode with him, in 2017, uh, a year after like, which still is so crazy to me. Sorry to interrupt, but I used to listen to his podcast when I was first diagnosed, like religiously for, it wasn't, honestly, I didn't listen for too long because then I actually very early on realized like how restrictive it was. And I was like, ah, no, but I listened to it religiously for like probably six months or something. Yeah. And what's crazy is to this day, People find me from YouTube because my video is up with him on YouTube Mm -hmm. and they'll find me and they'll reach out to me and they'll be like, are you still doing the Pattison program? (laughs) Or like if they see me eating meat, they'll be like, weren't you on the Pattison program? I cringe at that episode because, but I also have compassion and understanding. I was just going to say it could also be the opposite. Yeah, because I was ambivalent. (laughs) Exactly. I was newly diagnosed. And I had at that point, I thought I was in tune with my body, you know, a year or so into my diagnosis. And I'm like, Oh, my God, here we are seven years later. It looks totally (laughs) different. But I was speaking in such absolutes about diet, right at that time. And I was heavily involved in like, you know, the whole food plant based research, and I was following specific doctors and you know, idolizing certain people in the community, Mm -hmm. right? I was like a part of all that. And I look back and I recently like went and looked at that video. It's been a freaking long time. And I saw some of the the comments and it was like, she needs to like get off her high horse about like, you know, I, to me, I, okay, look it, I'm coming from an American diet, right? To Switching to a whole food plant-based diet, which at that point was really helping my symptoms. Mm -hmm. But I realized in my tone that it it was coming off as a little bit of judgment to other people. Mm -hmm. Like if you have an autoimmune disease, you should be doing right. But that was where I was at on my journey. That was your truth at the time. That, That was my truth. I mean, my rheumatoid factor went to negative you know, my inflammation markers, my ESR, my CRP did go down, my anti-CCP, those things were happening, but I didn't understand the reality of how the journey evolves and that no diet is meant to be on forever, right? These are Mm -hmm. elimination diets. These are programs that you're supposed to go through to get your inflammation down, but it doesn't mean that's supposed to be the way you're supposed to be eating for the, the rest of your life. And so anyways, 
I get a lot of people that reach out to me about that. And I kind of considered like telling Clint to take me off of his website and off of YouTube, not because I cringe at, you know, what I was talking about on that podcast, (laughs) but because people associate me with his program. And now I completely disagree with his approach because I have worked with so many clients coming from his program, eating restrictively for four plus years because somebody else has claimed that it's going to heal their autoimmune disease. Mm -hmm. And they're in a terrible situation. They're, you know, they've lost weight. They're not sleeping well. They have no connection and joy to their food anymore. They're very uh, self-critical on their food choices. They're ruminating on it. They fear foods. All of the stuff that kind of evolves from these diet protocols is become more and more apparent uh, as I work with clients and as I do the work on myself. Mm-hmm. So when I look back to that Erica, to the Erica now that is eating meat that has dairy in her diet, that really is not limited by really anything. It feels mm-hmm. like anymore, like obviously freedom, I my, true freedom. I have my foods and we'll, we'll get into all that, but I'm just saying nothing is permanent, right? Like we're not meant to stay the same to any capacity. Mm-hmm. And it's important to recognize when we're limiting ourselves, And it's important to recognize when a way of eating is no longer serving you. Mm-hmm. And I think an important note here is Like, cause someone could make the argument of like, oh, well, Erica, like you went on medications, you know, but I think that it's a really important note that this has been years in the making of building the type of lifestyle that can support taking such a minimal amount of medication and having that kind of as like a buffer rather than, oh, that's why you can eat these foods. You know, it's, it's a matter of like tuning in. It's a matter of intuitive eating. It's a matter of taking paying attention to the way that your body reacts to foods. It's a matter of the mindset piece and the subconscious healing and all of it. It's not, Oh, she's taking medication now. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know what? That's interesting because even with the very low grade amount of uh, medication that I'm on, I still react to the foods Mm -hmm. that I've been reactive to. It doesn't mask my symptoms, right? If anything, switching to eating animal protein back into my diet has actually lessened a lot of the Mm -hmm. symptoms I was living with, even when I wasn't on medication. And we'll, we'll get into all that, but the body, you know, is still going to let you know when foods bother Mm -hmm. you, right? Even if you're, even if you're on infusions, you know, biologics, Mm -hmm. all, you know, anything, at the at the deeper level, there is going to be things to let you know that a food isn't working for you, right? And we'll get mm-hmm. into that of like the brain fog or whatever that's going to look like for you. The medication is never going to completely mask it if you're continuously eating foods that your body doesn't agree with. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a super important note. And regarding like protocols and diets and all of that sort of thing, I think there's a few sides to be on, right? There's the side of like this thing worked for someone or this doctor swears by it and it's gonna cure me. And then you do yeah. it. 
And then maybe it, maybe it does quote unquote, put you into remission, right. For a while. And then eventually Mm -hmm. you start getting symptoms again. Well, a lot of times that's honestly probably because your nervous system is completely out of whack because you've been doing this for longer than you need to. Right. Like Erica said, it diets and protocols like that can be a good jumping off point. I'm not going to deny that. However, it is not meant to be something long-term, even for more than like a month or two. And Mm -hmm. like, you really have to pay attention to the entire, your entire system, your body, your mind, your soul, like not just blood markers, right? Not just yep. is your stomach reacting, not just do I have inflammation, right? And um, in terms of protocols and diets, I think there's also another side to be on. There's a, a side where you try it and it doesn't help you and you feel like a failure. And then that causes nervous system dysregulation where you feel like a failure. Then you go into this like guilt and shame spiral, right? Yeah. And that causes a whole other aspect. So you don't actually know if you're reacting to the foods anymore because it could very well be something else, but you're so focused on the food that you're blaming everything on that. And then I think there's another side. There's a side that I honestly was on where I never did a super restrictive diet. I honestly had always like, because before I was diagnosed, I already intuitively was like, I think that dairy, well, I knew that dairy for sure. And like, I didn't know that it inflamed me, but I knew that I like got stomach issues from it. And I knew that I would like break out and stuff like that and like get brain fog. And like, I just didn't have like the, the verbiage for it. And I never connected it to the rest of my body and what I was experiencing. And then I also was intuitively like, ah, I think that gluten kind of bugs me. Right. And so I was already kind of diving into that world before I was diagnosed. So then bring my diagnosis in. I was like, all right, let me try to completely cut those out and see if that helps. Now that took me time. I never just completely cut them out. I did take time to do so. Dairy was almost already completely eliminated out, but gluten took me like probably a year to get completely out of my system. And, um, I'm talking like not even like having anything when I'm going out to eat nothing. Like I took time. And, um, but that being said, I still always in the back of my mind had, what if I really did go full force and try one of these things? That's why I was listening to the Pattison program uh, or the Pattison podcast. That's why I was listening to different types of podcasts and reading all the things and following, you know, doctors and people like um, Dr. Mark Hyman or Dr. Josh Axe, who always talk about anti-inflammatory diets and eat this and don't eat that. I was following them religiously for actually those two I was following for the first couple of years. And I would do a lot of the things that they said. I would do things like bone broth. I would do things like, um, you know, I eventually incorporated celery juice. I did like all of these different things that they would suggest and some of them helped, but then I realized some of them didn't. And that's when I had that mentality of, wait a second, that doesn't work for me. And I'm not going to just blindly continue to follow it because it's hurting me. And I think that a lot of people don't have that mentality, right? They get so caught in this like guilt and shame spiral that they never tried. They never pull themselves out because a, they might not realize it or B it might be like, okay, well, what's the next thing? Maybe I'll try the next thing. And that one will work. And maybe that one will work. And maybe that one will work. And then nothing works. And then you just like keep spiraling and spiraling. And so breaking outside of that can really help you to find that food freedom. But I want to make it clear that it's not easy. It's not an easy thing to eat intuitively. It's not an easy thing to actually truly tune in and recognize these triggers from your body. But at the same time, it will get you so much further for so much longer than doing something that's super, super restrictive and putting you into this fight or flight response. So I thought of something really interesting as you were talking about all this 
I think the reason why people get attracted to these, you know, extreme protocols or approaches to their autoimmune healing is because maybe they are the perfectionist. Maybe Mm -hmm. they are the person that has that all or nothing mentality, right? For me, that, as I've said many times on this podcast, that was the way that I approached life, right? Like in school, I had to have straight A's. I had to do everything correctly. And so having this very regimented step-by-step process made sense, like, probably. It made sense, right? It was like, I can control the situation, mm-hmm. which is something that I used to function mm-hmm. like, right? I used to always need to be in control. And so having this extreme program where it's like, eat quinoa and bok choy for two weeks and do this, <laughs> do that right? It sounds crazy when I look back on it, but to me, that's what felt safe and what felt comfortable Mm -hmm. and which was giving me hope that if I just do these things, then it's all going to, you know, work out and be okay. And as I've been a health coach over the last couple of years and the clients that come to me that have tried these type of programs, even Brooke Goldner, uh, she has, she's the lupus doctor Mm -hmm. and hers is like basically an all raw vegan diet. That's what Mm -hmm. it is. And so I've had multiple clients come from her program and I've had multiple clients come from Clint Patterson's program. And all of them are highly perfectionistic people view the world in black and white, have this kind of all or nothing mentality. And so when they do these programs, they they're gaining a sense of they think we think, including myself at the start, I was gaining a sense of control in my life. And I wanted to control and control. And that's why people don't do these things short term, they continue with it, because they think, if I stop doing this diet, or this elimination protocol, then I'm going to be out of control with my symptoms and my disease. And so what that's basically doing is really disempowering them because we're saying somebody else who created this, whatever protocol, right? They know what's best for my body. They know what is healing to me. They know, they know, right? And so we stop listening to ourselves, and we keep eating foods that are highly you know, things that are highly sensitive to us and uh, make us react. And so I think that's why those diets become appealing to those specific people, which is why I work with those people, because I was once one of those people. And now when I, and now when I look at myself, I want freedom in my life. I want Mm -hmm. to be intuitive. I'm so in touch with myself. I don't want to be controlled by anyone else. I don't want anyone to tell me what's good and what's bad, what's inflammatory, what's not inflammatory, right? Like, but you have to kind of work through that process for yourself. So Mm -hmm. I look back and that was just the start of this health healing journey. And it started there. And then now I'm at a point in my life, which is really crazy, where I have a lot of freedom with food. I know what's really bothering me. Mm. I know, you know, what makes me feel good. But at the same time, it's still always a learning process because only a couple years ago, I was still eating a plant-based diet, even though we can talk about it in a little bit, there was lots of signals and Mm. symptoms happening that I was kind of still ignoring because I had this idea 
based off of, you know, previous doctors and things that I've listened to that if you're not eating a plant-based diet, you're basically causing yourself cancer, like da 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 da. Like all these things were still like really freaking ingrained in me, yeah. despite the way that my body was feeling. Mm-hmm. I think an important note there though is like, you know, to give yourself a little bit of grace in and anyone listening, if you've had a similar experience where like you had a moment with your doctor where you were claimed in remission, right? After having like a plant-based diet. And so you have that evidence, right? You had a doctor saying you're in remission and you had the blood markers to show, but that doesn't mean that necessarily in your body, you were feeling grounded, you're feeling safe. Like your nervous system was probably in that fight or flight state. And I think that that's an important note because there can absolutely be those validating times of, oh my God, look, I did it quote unquote, but you're still actually not. It's kind of like when people say like money can't buy happiness, but people are like, oh, like if I had money to pay off all my debt, I'd probably be a lot happier. It's like, yeah, but maybe you wouldn't you might not still be happy like, or, Oh, I'll be happy when I quit my job. And then you quit the job. And it's like, I mean, I guess like it's cool, but like now what, you know, it's like, you can't rely on those types of things to make you feel secure and free and happy. You have to make sure that you're finding it elsewhere. And like, especially like food can be freeing and exciting and it's not supposed to feel like stressful and you're not supposed to feel anxious Mm -hmm. thinking about food on either side of the spectrum, right. Of like what you are eating or what you're not eating. And I think the cool part about like the, like us as health coaches is you, we each attract the type of client that we were. And I know that both of our missions are to be the person that we never had when we were diagnosed. And I think that's the really cool part is like, we attract the clients that we basically used to be. And then we help Mm -hmm. them to evolve into this multifaceted being that has a disease, not someone who is managed by the disease, right? Yeah. All right. Show of hands. How many of you have had to get up in the middle of the night just to warm a heating pad because you're so uncomfortable? Okay. If you're putting your hand up in like a grocery store or in the car, you can put it down. But many of us in the autoimmune world are best friends with heating packs. We're here to tell you that it's time to ditch them because we have something even better for you. Our new favorite pain relieving product is not like any other heating products that either of us have ever tried. Thermotex offers a variety of infrared heating products. They're really high quality, effective, and convenient. It's super easy to do. All you have to do is flip on the switch, let it heat up, and instantly enjoy the healing benefits. We all know that feeling of waking up with new aches and pains that can show up in different parts of our bodies. So Thermotex offers many different types of heating products, including one specifically designed for your knee, your wrist, your elbow, your foot, your neck, and the all-purpose pad, which is more versatile. I love keeping it by my bed or desk when I have a long work day. My lower back is usually my main problem area. Because they incorporate infrared technology, the energy is absorbed six centimeters into your body. Traditional heating packs only penetrate about a quarter of a centimeter. The other cool part about this technology is that it isn't insanely hot to the touch, so you don't have to worry about burning yourself or having to reheat it frequently. I personally love using my Thermotex heating pad at the end of the day while I unwind from a full day of podcasting and coaching clients. 
you need to give this a try. There's literally no risk to you. They have a 30-day guarantee that it'll temporarily help your pain or your money back. And then they also have a one-year warranty on your product. Thermotex is currently offering our listeners a 10% discount on any personal product with our special code autoimmune and you, all one word. And as always, that link is in the show notes. We literally use our heating pads every single day and we can't wait for you guys to start using this as part of your healing regimen. Oh, I was thinking when you said, you know, I was in remission, my numbers were low, da, 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 da. And I look back on that time and yes, my numbers were low and they were all normal, right? But my life wasn't normal. I was Mm -hmm. never going out to restaurants to eat. I wasn't having fun interactions with my friends because I was Mm -hmm. living in a bubble and chopping my meals and preparing food probably 80% of my day. I used to be in the kitchen when I started out on this journey. I was so anti like going out to eat and you know, anything like that, because I was scared, right? Is there going to be oil in my food? Is it going to be inflammatory? Is it going to flare me up? So I basically made everything from scratch for at least two and a half to three years. I didn't go out. I didn't do anything. I had to say, I had to say no to stuff. My life became very small. It was just me and my husband, you know, we weren't rock climbing anymore because I was scared, you know, to do something to my joints. Uh, we weren't, we weren't, our whole life shifted. Right. And you basically weren't living. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, some of it was necessary, right? Mm -hmm. Like I don't take back. I mean, I don't think any of all of it was bad, But some of it, I look back and that was creating, like you just said, a a dysregulated nervous system because Mm -hmm. I was fearing and overthinking everything that went into my food and it was limiting my life, my joy, Mm -hmm. my happiness, my adventure, my spontaneity, spontaneity, all of those things that truly make me feel alive and like a human, right? And disconnect me from my disease. But the problem is when you're so heavily focused on the diet to put your symptoms into remission, you actually become more consumed by the disease because Mm -hmm. you're constantly thinking about what is going into my body, what's not going into my body. Mm -hmm. And so it keeps you in that survival state. And when I look back then, yes, on on paper, right? We all know what things look like on paper versus in reality. On paper those were the things. And yes, I was healing in different ways. And it was helping me not just like with diet, but you know, Mm -hmm. mentally, emotionally, spiritually, a lot of that still was rooted, you know, on surface level stuff, right numbers Mm -hmm. and things like that. And now I don't really care about the numbers. Like I got my CRP done like a couple months ago. And it was like, a point over the normal range. Right. Mm -hmm. And there was that deeper part of me was like, I'm doing something Mm -hmm. wrong. Oh my gosh. Like my symptoms are coming back. And then I thought, Erica, how do you feel at this point in your life? I'm like, I'm strength training, you know, three, four times a week. I I'm rock climbing, rock climbing harder than I have since my diagnosis. Mm -hmm. I sleep well every single night. My stress is pretty much non-existent. If not, I manage it very, very well. 
I'm happy. I'm content with myself. So when I looked at the broader picture and like stopped narrowing it down to this Mm -hmm. number that I saw in my labs, which by the way, your CRP is constantly changing. Mm -hmm. So you could test it one day and it could be elevated and you could test it even 20. And there's a variety of factors to, I mean, both of the numbers, but especially CRP, like there's uh, so many different factors that could be contributing to that kind of like your blood pressure. Like, and another point that I want to make here really quickly is think about like anyone who doesn't have a good relationship with a scale, like you check your weight and you're like, Oh my God, I'm five pounds heavier. It's really easy to get again into that fight or flight. Like, oh my God, I'm doing something wrong. I need to go on a diet. I need to exercise more. But again, if you were to zoom out, maybe you realize, actually, I feel stronger than ever. So I probably have gained muscle. Mm -hmm. Actually, I feel happier than ever because I'm not obsessing over exercise. Actually, Mm -hmm. I feel more mentally stable than ever before. And so like, that's another skill. And so looking at all of these like blood marker numbers can be very similar to looking at the scale. Yeah, because on the opposite side of that, you could get blood work back that shows you have no inflammation, mm-hmm. but yet and you, you feel like shit. Feel like shit. You, yeah, you feel <laughs> like shit. You're you're very stiff. You have visible inflammation. Mm-hmm. You know. So the thing is that those things aren't speaking in absolutes about where you're mm-hmm. at with your health, right? And so yep. one of the biggest things that I've learned in the seven years of you know having RA is to not focus on the numbers, but focus on how I'm feeling. And that is your biggest indicator, right? Of mm-hmm. how well you feel you're doing with your diet or whatever thing you're implementing uh, on this journey, right? So when I made the switch from plant-based to eating meat, I can now recognize that I had a lot of nervousness, a lot of anxiety that was happening. I was getting lightheaded. Um, I was experiencing like muscle aches. I wasn't sleeping well. And I, even as conscious as I think I've been on this journey, was still allowing myself to experiencing to experience those things because I was attached to a label of a diet until eventually my, my body was like, not even just my mind, like my body was like, you need eggs, Erica, like you (laughs) need some eggs in your life. And it had not, I, I was so detached from the taste of eggs, right. After five and a half years of not having any of these things, I, I couldn't even remember what the egg tasted like, but I can remember that they have that fat and protein, right? Mm-hmm. Like that was the fun. Your body thing knows. Of- yeah. My body was like, you need animal fat and you need animal protein to put weight back on your body and to balance out your hormones because my estrogen was extremely low um, right before uh, I made the switch and had my miscarriage, which was another thing another sign of the body of like you are not capable you do not have enough fat Mm -hmm. on your body to sustain another human life guys Mm -hmm. when I made the switch I was a hundred pounds okay I was a hundred freaking pounds and now I'm 107 and my goal is 115 and that's not just coming from the food it's you know it's coming from you know muscle and stuff like that right like I'm not just like it's gaining weight in in a good positive way. It's like putting literally meat back on my bones, but all of these 
things were happening and I just, I was logically trying to work through them instead Mm of recognizing and acknowledging that feeling that was. Yeah. The intuitive side side of it is so, so strong. Right. And we can either choose to stifle it and be like, yeah, yeah, whatever I know, but like my brain knows better though, or you can trust what your body is telling you because your body will always tell you what it needs. And the biggest thing is how to tune in and learning how to do that. Yep. And guess what? The other day, uh, this was what I was going to tell you when you're like, wait, what is it? I was like, I'll tell you on the <laughs> podcast. Um, so I was blow drying my hair the other day and I was like, what the heck? I like zoomed into the, you know, looked really close to the mirror and zoomed I, in. See, I zoomed, you know, zoomed in. I could see like these little baby hairs uh, at the corner of my forehead growing in. Okay. Whoa. I I didn't really, I didn't talk about this openly because it was one of those things, like the kind of insecurity thing, but also like thinking maybe it's just genetics, right? Mm-hmm. I bought like this Vegamore hair growing ser- serum like a year ago because I started to thin around my forehead. Mm-hmm. And so I was just like, well, maybe if I just get this serum and like use it, you know, my hair will grow back. And guess what? That was another sign of nutrient deficiency because now I took a photo. I have tons of photos in my phone actually, where I have baby hairs growing there, which wasn't going to happen if I didn't get the nutrients that my body needed. And that's again, like, you know, this is So this is the cool thing about our podcast is that we can be real and honest and open about these things that people don't want to talk about, right? Like yeah. it's, mm-hmm. it, and especially even me as a health coach owning up to, you know, I ignored these symptoms again, mm-hmm. like just at the start of my journey started, you go on the autopilot and you just accept things as they are. But then, you know, if I hadn't done this work on myself over these years, I would have just allowed myself to suffer like this for another five years. We don't know what that looked like. So as much as I kind of, there's a deep judgment of like, why did it take you a year and a half to like make these decisions? You know, but the miscarriage happened. And that was like, that was the aha moment. That was like, ah, okay. It's not just thinning hair. It's not just anxiety. It's not just, you know, lack of weight and muscle and all that on my body. It's actually showing me that at this point in my life, my body is not in a position to uh, grow another human inside of me. So mm-hmm. we all have these bigger wake up calls and no one's perfect. No one's on top of it. Mm-hmm. No one's like, oh, wow, I got bloated today from this food and I just I'm going to cut it out. Right. Like mm-hmm. it takes time for you to understand and to connect those dots. And we're all going to have mm-hmm. a threshold. We're all going to have that moment where we recognize this way of eating is no longer serving me. It it served me in the past. It did amazing things for me, but it's not relevant to where I'm at in my life. Yeah, exactly. So I think that's like a really good segue into um, kind of like the, the bodily and the mental side of things as far as the way that triggers can present in your body, because it's really important to look at the whole picture, right? Is the way that you're eating 
actually triggering your body and your mind in different Mm -hmm. ways. And I think that so many times we get so attached to the fact that food can make us hurt, right? Like actual pain that we forget how much it connects to our brain and the mindset piece. It can really take away so much from you. I mean, a lot of us, I think, can can equate sometimes food triggers to things like brain fog or things like headaches. I think that that's relatively common. But what about the other things? What about Mm -hmm. like not just bodily fatigue, but the mental fatigue, right? Where you're Mm -hmm. just like, I just can't think, not even brain fog, like to the point where you're like, I have to like stare at a wall for a while. Mm-hmm. Or what about when you're, you're super irritable all the time and you just don't know why? Or what yeah. about when you fly off the handle at like the tiniest little thing when usually like you feel like you're a happy person? Or mm-hmm. what about the times that you just break out into crying and you blame it on something else? There's so many, or the f- times that you're feeling really anxious and there isn't an apparent reason or depression just comes yep. in hardcore. And again, you don't see a true reason for it. A lot of these can be equated to food. And I think it's such an important point because so many of us are like, yep, I know that when I eat this food, it inflames, like for instance, people yep. with rheumatoid arthritis, I know it inflames this joint when I eat this food. Or like, yep. I know that this happens when I eat that food or, you know, when I drink alcohol or whatever. But how many times are you genuinely looking at the full picture of yourself, of your entire being, mind, body, and soul, not just the body, the physical piece? I mean, that is probably the biggest conversation that needs to be had mm-hmm. in the autoimmune community because so many people get fixated on the joint swelling or mm-hmm. the the psoriasis flare-ups or whatever that looks like for you and your autoimmune disease. And then they gauge their progress solely on the physical symptoms, whether they're like, oh, it's a win or oh, it's a fail solely on that. Yeah, absolutely. And so that was something that I'm recognizing that I was in for, you know, a year and a half of feeling the way that I was feeling. It wasn't just Uh, the physical signs, right? It was the irritability. It was Mm -hmm. the mood shifts. It was the nervousness and anxiety that I haven't experienced since my diagnosis. I really thought those things were like in the past because I had Mm -hmm. regulated myself so well. But then what happens is nutrient deficiencies can dysregulate your nervous system. Mm -hmm. So that's what happened. I was doing really well, right? I went from this standard American diet to eating whole plant foods, you know, hardly any processed foods, da, 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 you know, working on mindset, doing all stuff. So I was able to regulate my nervous system. But then it came to a point where the nutrient deficiencies were signaling to my nervous system Mm -hmm. that something's wrong. So then came the panic attacks that I was experiencing. I told Rachel, like I wasn't driving and I was telling Rachel and I was telling even my husband, I thought it was from the medication, but I think it was the the combination of the medication to my nervous system because it was already so out of whack. That's such a good point because I remember you talking like obviously to me, but also in episodes about like the symptoms that you were experiencing when you were um, on Plaquenil. And that's a really, really interesting connection to make. Exactly. But even when I got off of the Plaquenil, right, those symptoms were still there. They weren't as severe Mm -hmm. as when I was on the Plaquenil, but they were still there. And it's because 
my body was not responding well to the amount of food that was going into me and the amount of nutrition that was going into me and the lack of protein and fat that was in my diet. Mm -hmm. So we have to understand that nutrition plays a role in our nervous system and our nervous system affects our gut health. Like we have Mm -hmm. to connect those dots for ourselves and understand that if everything is going good in your life and you're not naturally a person with anxiety or depression or, you know, any Mm -hmm. of these things, and you start feeling really nervous, you start feeling really anxious, you're not sleeping well, you're restless, you're irritated, you're moody, mm-hmm. right? We have to realize like, that's not our normal state mm-hmm. of being, right? When we know things are going good in our life and we're taking a look at you know what's going on unconsciously. And so when I made the decision or I was thinking about the decision to eat animal protein back in my diet, I wasn't really acknowledging how all of those things were related to my nervous system and Mm -hmm. why I was experiencing, you know, the anxiety and the nervousness and all like, I I just wasn't connecting the dots at that time. And now that I'm getting heavily into nervous system regulation, I'm realizing that that's what was really going on because guess what? I my anxiety is, you know, now it's been, when did I start changing last May or, or June um, up until now? So it hasn't been quite a year, but I'm going to tell you 80% of that anxiety has dissipated. That nervousness has completely gone away. I can drive and not feel like I'm dizzy or lightheaded, or I'm going to pass out. And I mean, a lot of other things, right? Not just on that level, but like I said, my hair growing back and putting on weight, which is another good sign. Like my body can hold weight. Mm -hmm. Right. So it's all very interesting because this is another layer of understanding myself and understanding my body, but you can't know everything at once. Right. Mm -hmm. It's just impossible. Like you will learn things as you go. And what I know now versus what I knew seven years ago when I was on the Patterson program is very different, but you can't force it. You can't make things happen. You just, you'll know it when you get there. Yeah. I'm smiling so big right now. You're probably looking at me like, what the hell? Because as you said, (laughs) because as you said that right before you said that, I was thinking in my head, like, it's like, you have to date yourself. And then you started saying basically that not in the same words, but you basically were saying like, you have to learn yourself and it's a continual process. And it's literally you're dating yourself, right? You're like allowing yourself to explore. And we know that like, if we go on a date with someone, even if it's your husband, your partner, like whoever it is, you're still exploring them, right? You're still learning things about them every single day. And why don't we do that with ourselves, especially related to the way that food is making us feel. It's a really, really important topic. Um, Mm -hmm. And then like, I also wanted to bring up the point that when you're equating what you're eating to the way that like you're feeling physically, you are yet again, compartmentalizing areas of wellness. Like we've been so conditioned to compartmentalize and you're mm-hmm. kind of giving into that when you're saying, oh, food only makes me physically feel this way. And you're not 
thinking about all of the other areas of wellness that are contributing to that. Cause like Erica said, if everything else in your life is amazing, but you're yeah. still experiencing a lot of anxiety, a lot of depression, a lot of, you know, brain fog and all of these things and not sleeping well, it's probably the food aspect, right? If every, mm -hmm. if you cannot think of one other thing and maybe you're talking to your therapist and you're like, I don't know what gives, why am I feeling this way? Yeah. I need to be medicated. Honestly, take a look at what you're eating and maybe do a little bit more intuitive work on that. And again, it takes time. It takes work, but it's so freaking worth it because then you're building towards that food freedom and just freedom in other areas of your life as well. So as you, you were talking about, um, like what I just said about like, if I, every other area of your life is great and like, yeah. you're still feeling that way. You know yeah. what I like to think is like, I feel like two, I think two episodes ago, I like mentioned like the hippie mentality. Right. Mm -hmm. But like genuinely, if the areas of your wellness routine and like whatever you personally have for your regimen are actually mm -hmm. like locked in and making you feel good in all areas of your life, you should basically feel like your life is happy-go-lucky. Like if you were to take out all of the daily stressors that we all have, you know, like traffic and bills and, you know, all those little things that we kind of have to worry about, you know, if you yeah. were to take all of those little stressors out, would you feel like your life is happy-go-lucky and you didn't have to worry about working if you didn't want to? And like all of those things were just gone and you just had the core of like, your body, your mind, the people you love, the, I don't know, house, apartment, wherever you live, like your pets, like the, the food, all of it. That's what it should honestly look like at the core when you have truly structured a, something, including diet that truly works for you. Yeah, exactly. But also another layer to that is the key with even just nervous system dysregulation or regulation is the bounce back, right? From the strong emotions, anxiety, mm -hmm. worry, but then able to come back to your baseline, your homeostasis. Mm -hmm. So when I was experiencing like kind of like these nutritional, you know, deficiencies that I didn't recognize at that time, my body was able to not able to bounce back to my normal yeah. you know, state of being that I had, um, you know, established over the last seven years. And so I, that was a, a key thing for me of like, why am I not able to bounce back as easily as I was able to before? And I was staying in that anxiety a long period of time. I was, whatever that looked like, I was staying in that for a long time versus before, you know, I really felt like the changes were happening in my body. I was quickly able to like bounce out of that or experience way less of those things. So yeah. that's another thing for you to look at. Like, how am I able to bounce back? Right. Yeah, when I get, really when point. I get ear, when I get irritable, when I get moody, when I get whatever that looks like, right. How long it, do I stay there? And mm -hmm. versus when do I come back? Does it take me yeah. days? Does it take me weeks? Does it take me months? Yeah. That's, that's a sign to you, whether your nervous system is regulated. Cause we're not saying you're not going to, have anger you know you're not going to experience anger or resentment or yeah. frustration like that's 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 not okay that's part of the human experience that's part of the human experience but the the key there is how you're able to bounce back to your mm -hmm. your homeostasis what you know as the safe space yes. within yourself 
That makes my OT heart so happy. I really hope that we have some occupational therapists listening to this because I, uh, my background is working as an occupational therapist and primarily with children in an outpatient sensory clinic. And it's funny because as you say that, I'm just thinking of the kids that I would work with and the way that we would um, kind of categorize if a kid is having like just a, you know, normal quote unquote tantrum of, you know, toddlers have tantrums mm-hmm. sometimes versus a sensory meltdown is exactly what you were saying, how quickly they can bounce back. So basically when working with the kids, how we would say is like a tantrum is, you know, kids have tantrums. It happens. They aren't, they don't have a fully integrated uh, nervous system response. Right. And so when a kid has a tantrum and they're able to recover quickly, kind of like calm down pretty quickly afterwards, usually that's healthy. Usually that's pretty normal. Mm -hmm. But when a kid has a complete meltdown and usually it's sensory related, AKA also nervous system related, they usually have a slower recovery. It usually takes them a long time to be okay. Even if like whatever it was that upset them is taken away. Like, let's say, I don't know, they didn't want to take a bath, for instance, and then they're done with the bath, it still would take them a really long time to be okay after that. And then if that is the case, we say, well, that child is dysregulated, right? And so Mm -hmm. we can also apply this to our autoimmune journeys, like Erica was just saying, if it takes you a really long time to recover, that means that a system within you is dysregulated. But if you're able to have some sort of stressor come into your sphere, and yeah, you might have that initial reaction, which again, over time will get lessened, but you will still have some sort of initial reaction, even if it's just internal. If you're able to recover quickly, it's pretty normal. You know, that's healthy. That's okay. And so taking note of that response time is really, really important. So the way that I like to think of it and kind of phrase it to parents when I'm talking to them as an OT is when a sensory system is out of whack, it's as if like these wires in your brain are all like crossed and jumbled. And as you start to help your child, or in your case, listening to this yourself to regulate your nervous system or to regulate the um, sensory input around you, you're kind of like uncrossing those wires in your brain one at a time. And you're allowing your body and your brain to properly process what's being thrown at you. And so to come back to the example of us or anyone listening to this or our clients, um, we are allowing ourselves to come back to that regulated sensory state or regulated nervous system state or come back to your homeostasis, right? That Mm -hmm. even keel state where everything's flowing the way that it's supposed to. And again, all of those lower vibrations are part of the human experience. We aren't saying that you're never supposed to feel irritable. You're never supposed to feel stressed or anxious. Like those are just part of the human experience. And those are important and actually can be beautiful, right? Because some beautiful things can come out of it. But the part that we're talking about, like Erica said, is how quickly can you bounce back? Which means are you, if you're not able to bounce back quickly, that means that other areas of your body, including your gut, including your immune system are out of whack. Right. And we need to figure out how to rewire so that they're going to the right places in your body. Every system in your body and your mind are able to process the information coming at you properly. Because right now, if you are listening to this and you're like, I don't bounce back very quickly, I don't know about that. 
All it means is that you need some rewiring and that can be in more than one area. You need to look at yourself holistically, right? What I think that there's like such a um, miscommunication of like holistic means like, you know, just all this like alternative medicine. And it literally, all it means is the whole picture, right? The entire picture. That's how I want you to think of holistic because I think it's been like thrown way out of whack. And So we want you to be able to recognize these areas and to rewire and to reframe and to tune into your mind and your body to notice, hey, okay, something's not quite right here. And I want to be able to bounce back quickly. And that doesn't mean that you never will. It means that you have some work to do. And that's a beautiful thing. It's not us sitting here saying, if you, if this is you, you're bad or you're doing it wrong or no, you're actually doing it quite right because that means you have growth to do. And we all have growth to do. This episode is sponsored by five CBD. We are so excited to be partnering with five CBD. I've been using these products for months now, and I've been loving their full spectrum CBD THC products, especially the sleep gummies. Those are my all time favorite studies actually show that using CBD products with small amounts of THC in them has potential to decrease pain and inflammation throughout your body and also reduce feelings of anxiety and depression, which is something that everyone with an autoimmune disease can definitely benefit from. You don't want to miss out on this offer because you'll get a free full size tincture or gummies. All you have to do is click the link in our show notes. Yep, exactly. And when I think about symptoms or I think about, you know, the way that I was experiencing my body during that time when I felt like I needed animal protein, it all comes back to the body's needs are unmet to some capacity, right? Like I was you know, I have stable relationship, I have a safe home environment, I had all these things, right? So I was questioning, what is the link here? What what need is unmet within myself? And that for me boiled down to my nutrition. But that's going to look different for everybody. Because look at on one extreme end, you know, maybe you're too restrictive to with your diet, maybe you're putting too much emphasis into your food, right? that can cause nervous system dysregulation. But on the other hit, uh, but on the other end, maybe your nutritional needs are not met, which mm-hmm. is causing nervous system dysregulation. So the point is having that self-awareness of what sensations, what somatic experiences mm-hmm. am I having mm-hmm. other than the big defining symptoms that I keep yeah. zooming in on. And I think yeah. that's kind of, what happened with me was I was like, okay, my symptoms are managed, you know, they're fine. But yet there was these other aspects of me that I wasn't recognizing uh, that was affecting my overall well-being, my mental, physical, emotional, all of the things. Yeah. The other thing I want to add is not blaming yourself or shaming yourself for what you're experiencing instead of blaming or shaming yourself, you should be asking yourself what needs in my life are unmet. And mm-hmm. so that's the way that you regulate yourself is by asking those questions. And then it's all kind of trial and error, right? Like this is all this is, is yeah. figuring out what brings my body back to that homeostasis. Uh, what helps me feel alert and relaxed at the same time. I mean, that's, that's the state Mm -hmm. that is regulated, right. Is having the alertness 
but also feeling like there's no threat, right? So we can mm-hmm. be relaxed in our environment. We can be engaged with the people that are around us. But I'm saying that we have to be able to ask ourselves those questions instead of just getting mad at ourselves, getting upset mm-hmm. at ourselves. Why am I so irritable? Why am I so cranky? Why am I so, you know, just getting upset mm-hmm. at yourself because that continues to make the situation worse. So have the self-compassion of something is going on underneath the surface. I may not be able to pinpoint that right now immediately, Mm -hmm. But I can work towards figuring that out and experimenting what my body needs. I want you to remember listening to this, that this is not meant to be an episode where you sit there and you feel like a piece of shit. This is meant to be an episode where we share our experience with you and show you like, maybe there's a piece of the puzzle that you're missing. And instead of like Erica said, guilting and shaming yourself of, oh my God, how could I have not thought of this sooner? How could I have not done this sooner? Yeah. You can look at it as an opportunity of, oh my God, this is exciting. I have somewhere to go from here and I haven't thought of that yet. Right. There's two different ways to think of things always. And I hope that listening to this, especially at this point, as we're talking about this specifically, that you give yourself the grace and the compassion of, okay, I didn't know. And now I know, and I can't unknow it. Now I know what to look for and what to think about. And I hadn't thought of that before. And now I can move on. And that's exciting. It's not daunting. It's not scary because again, that's going to throw you right back into that fight or flight mode that we've talked a lot about um, during this episode. And so I think that's a, a good segue into like, intuitive eating and I think that like is it um Gwyneth Paltrow that like talked about intuitive eating and like started this whole kind of like movement situation I think and um I think it sounds like she would be (laughs) yeah I think uh, this was like I feel like it was during the pandemic to be honest and I I vaguely remember I could be totally off my rocker but I vaguely remember she started some sort of like intuitive move uh eating movement but it was more grounded in like intermittent fasting than anything. And I was like, that's not intuitive eating. Intuitive eating is literally listening to your intuition to decide what and when you're eating. And so this just goes back yet again to not blindly following any diet or protocol. That is what I think the the biggest point of this episode is is to show you that, yeah, it can be a good starting point to follow some sort of diet or protocol. But even then, I don't think that anyone in the autoimmune community should feel a need to follow anything to a complete T because if you're trying it out for a week or two and you're not feeling good, mix it up, try something else. Maybe you hold loosely to it because it's generally making you feel good, but you feel like there's a couple of things that don't make you feel good. Trust yourself. You have to trust yourself. And so when I say intuitive eating is tuning into what your body wants and when it wants it, I talked briefly in our, um, what we eat in the day episode, um, that there are some days when I wake up and I'm hungry right away and I eat at like seven or eight in the morning. And then there's other days that I'm literally just not hungry until like one. And that's a clear example of why something like intermittent fasting, for instance, is not healthy for everyone. And you should really just simply listen to your body. And also the fact that that's yet another diet or protocol that is a one size fits all. And as Erica and I say in the intro of our podcast and everywhere else, we plaster it everywhere, every single day, there is no fucking one size fits all to autoimmune healing. There's not, I will never stray on that. There is not one size fits all. (laughs) Absolutely. I want to say on the flip side of intuition, 
is being misguided by a dysregulated nervous system. Okay. Mm-hmm. Because if you don't understand your body is in fight or flight and you mm-hmm. are functioning and running off of cortisol and adrenaline, mm-hmm. you're not going to be hungry. Right. Yeah. So this is where it's very tricky to understand am I in this fight or flight or am I genuinely f- like, yeah. or do I genuinely don't need? food this morning, because Mm -hmm. those are very different things. And I think that's where it becomes dangerous for a lot of people is that they're just like, well, this is intuitive and I don't need to eat till two o'clock. And then time they get to two o'clock, they're jittery and they're going to pass out. I have a lot of clients that do that. So it's really important to ask yourself, what do I feel in my body when I'm not eating or when I am eating? Do I feel like this is too much. Do I feel annoyed at myself? Cause maybe you're full and you don't need food mm-hmm. or do you feel like I'm wired? I feel very wired. I feel yeah. very anxious. I don't need to eat right now because yeah. when the body is in that fight or flight, digestion shuts down people, mm-hmm. right? If you're running from a threat, which a lot of nowadays is just perceived threat, you don't need to eat. Your body yeah. is trying to keep you alive. So that is a skill that you're going to learn over years and years of this journey. I do not suggest personally at the start of the journey to just be like, I'm going to intuitively eat for my autoimmune disease. I think the key is to make sure you're getting enough like protein and make sure you're eating enough calories to help your body regulate Mm -hmm. itself. And over time, as you become in tune with that, you can recognize, hey, this morning, I don't need food. And it's not because I'm running off of coffee and adrenaline and cortisol. It's because I genuinely within myself feel like that's not something I need to put into my body right now. So I just, I just want to throw that out there because I think it's important to be conscious of that because it can really, it can really mislead people when they, when you know nothing about nutrition, right? If I would have tried to intuitively eat (laughs) at the start of my journey, I would be like, I intuitively want McDonald's. I intuitively yeah, right? want this, exactly. Right? So it looks very, very different. And like my idea of intuitive eating has even evolved mm-hmm. even on this journey. So just know that sometimes it is exactly what our body needs. And sometimes we're being misguided by a dysregulated nervous system. Yeah, I think that's such an important point. And I really appreciate you bringing that up because, you know, like, in me bringing that up, I know my side of things, you know, like, and where I am now. And I don't want anyone to look at where I am now and what I'm suggesting in terms of that, where it could be, you know, I'm talking to a listener that knows their body and knows their triggers and is, you know, does have a regulated nervous system and is like, oh yeah, that's a really good point. I'm not in terms of intuitive eating saying that's where you should start. So like I said, starting loosely with some sort of protocol or diet can be helpful. Like we've mentioned a couple of times, but then from there, having some sort of goal and intention to learn your body again, date your your body, know your body's cues, know how food makes you feel and all of that. And so the other side of things is knowing, um, what your body wants. Right. And that again is a learned skill. So for me, something that I haven't talked about on the podcast, um, I think the, the, what we eat in a day episode, I was talking about how like sourdough bread had intuitively like sounded good. And I kind of was craving it, but I never did anything about it. 
And so now in the past like two months, I have actually had sourdough a couple times a week for the past two months. And it's hasn't done anything, right? I haven't had any more inflammation. I actually have not had a flare up in over a month at this point. Like I haven't really been waking up with morning stiffness and no, it's not because of the sourdough. It's like, because I've regulated my nervous system. And that's why Erica and I are so passionate about talking about that, especially recently, because we've both had such amazing experiences and like learning so much more about how important this is and how this is like a huge topic that needs to be talked about in the autoimmune community. But my point there is I intuitively felt like I don't know. I'm just like weirdly craving sourdough. Right. And I had to get through the fear of what if it flares me up? What if it causes this? What if it makes me go backwards? Right. I had to get through Mm -hmm. that first before I introduced it to my system. And then when I was ready to introduce it, I did it with such peace, which with such, you know what, if it happened to it happened, I know that I'll get through it. I know how to manage, you know, a flare up. I'll be fine. And you know Mm -hmm. what? It didn't, it didn't do anything. Like I feel great. And same thing with the fact that like recently, um, I think three times in the past two months, um, I have eaten like bites of meat, which I hadn't eaten in four years. And I had dabbled with like fish for sure a few times in the past four years, um, as far as like a couple months spurts at a time but I had not touched meat whatsoever. Like no chicken, turkey, pork, like any of that. And I have known that red meat has always caused issues. And so that's something that I still haven't tried, but I, um, have tried, uh, I've tried pulled pork and I've tried chicken twice. And while it's been like small pieces each time, it's something that again, like I talked about at the beginning of the episode, I kind of had put myself in a box and didn't realize it. It felt so weird to me to be like, okay, I'm consciously eating this because my body just feels like that looks really good and it smells really good. And I am genuinely feeling like this is something that I need Mm -hmm. to do right now. And sometimes, honestly, like those, those moments, for instance, I wouldn't say it necessarily was like a deep, like, I don't know how to fully explain this because it's a feeling, but I don't feel like it was necessarily like a body craving, if that makes sense. It was more of Mm -hmm. like my mind and my intuition being like, no, it's okay. You can do Mm -hmm. this and it's going to be okay. And Mm -hmm. so sometimes it's that too. Maybe it's not like a huge um, clear indicator like Erica where her body's like, I need eggs now. Like this is going to make me feel satiated. You know, maybe it's not that. Maybe it's not that strong but maybe it is something that you still need to kind of listen to those little pings. And again, there's something really important about, oh, I'm just craving McDonald's. Okay. That's intuition. No, honey. No. (laughs) You you know what I'm thinking of? As you said, there was no like, you know, physical thing that your body was asking of you. And you said it was more of like a mental thing. It just reminds me of our conversations of you going to places and there not being a lot of options for you Mm -hmm. and you having to sit there while people eat food and you're living off of chips and, Mm -hmm. you know, not even necessarily things that are like healthy, but you're just doing that to avoid those things with animal protein. Maybe that unmet need was a need for freedom in your life to be able Mm -hmm. to participate in things, not out of indulgement because it brings more peace to the situation. Mm -hmm. So this this is what I'm talking about. These unmet needs are going Mm -hmm. to look different for every person. Yeah. 
And so you have to recognize that somebody's reason may be their hair was falling out, their <laughs> you know skin got acne, whatever that looked like, right? Your need may be something more mm-hmm. basic. It may be Absolutely. something more like surface level, but it yeah. doesn't make it less than the other person. Mm-hmm. So I'm telling you right now, because I've had so many people reach out to me since I've you know opened up about not eating a plant-based diet anymore. And I've gotten a lot of people in this community that do eat a plant-based diet and even, you know, talk about vegan ethics, which is something I did for many, many years. They're telling me these things of like, I've been really craving this. Like, I really want to try this, but I'm just, Mm -hmm. I feel so bad. I feel so guilty. And I've jumped on like a couple calls with people in this community lately, just to let them know that that's okay, that they're feeling Mm -hmm. that way giving them permission to explore and things that, you know, maybe the, the mind is saying something, but the body needs something different or maybe the, the, you know, or vice versa. Right. So I think that's all what it boils down to is like, you can't compare or feel like you need to justify a change in your life because it's not as extreme as somebody else yes. or it doesn't look like this. It It's whatever you need within yourself to feel at peace, to have that yeah. homeostasis in your life. Right. And so going out and never having food options, put, adding that stress on you. Right. Yeah. And like, I'm not going to eat. What am I going to eat? Oh my God, we're yeah. going to be here till two o'clock in the morning Absolutely. and I have no food. That yep. is all putting your body under stress. Right. For sure. You have to recognize that's putting it under stress. So we have to factor that in to our choices. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, we're all just needing to feel grounded and secure and yep. happy and free. And that's a really, really good example because one of the situations when I did eat like the pulled pork, for instance, was exactly that. Like we were going to our friend's house in, um, in the mountains and I knew that they were making like pulled pork tacos. And as my boyfriend said that, like, I was like, oh, that actually sounds like good for once. Like, mm-hmm. huh. And then, you know, we stopped at this grocery store on the way and I could have for sure gotten something, right? I could have figured out something that I could have cooked. And I was like, I don't feel like having the stress of like cooking. Mm -hmm. I cook every freaking day. Like, I don't want to have to do that this time. And I was like, you know, I know they're going to have other things that I can easily eat if for some reason I get there and that doesn't sound good again. Like, and so I was like, okay, I'm going into it with an open mind, but I also am... I, I completely recognize that every time that I'm stressing about food or every time I have to cook my own food, it really, especially lately, like there was definitely a period of time that that didn't bug me whatsoever, but Mm -hmm. now where I'm at, I don't want to have to worry about that. And I am honoring that within myself. And that is part of the, part of the reason, not the entire reason, but part of the reason that I was like, okay, I'm okay with this. And you know what? Mm -hmm. I ate it and I was fine and I didn't flare up and I didn't have any stomach issues. And yeah, I only had a little, little bit of it, but it felt good to have that freedom. It felt good to make a conscious decision of this is what I'm doing. And this is for my fucking sanity, to be honest. Like this is Mm -hmm. a trusting intuition. And I really, really work hard at that. And again, that takes, that's taken me years to really be so, so in tune on other levels that we can get on in other episodes, but At the bottom of it, we all just want to feel secure. We want to feel grounded. We want to feel regulated. And I completely agree because once I've changed my diet 
having the freedom in situations has made me recognize that I had way more stress that I was experiencing when I had to limit or restrict myself or avoid, you know, certain things. Right. So it wasn't my main motivator to have more freedom and, you know, social situations or anything like that. Cause I feel like, you know, most of my friends are pretty great at just like accommodating that, but it doesn't matter. Cause that's not always going to be the case. But the point is, is that now that I'm out of it and I can go somewhere and go, yeah, I'll take the fish tacos or whatever. Mm-hmm. I realize like how much less stress I'm experiencing in my body and how at ease and how natural it feels. And and I want to be clear, like this is not someone just regarding their values or their health and just saying, That's what I was- fuck it. I'm We're always on the same page. <laughs> Exactly. You know, you know, I'm going to clarify. Yeah, It's about intentionally mm-hmm. making that decision because, yep. you know, in that moment, right, it doesn't mean all day, every day you're going to be making decisions like that, mm-hmm. whatever that looks like for you. But you're saying in this moment, what is important to me to sit here to avoid a food that probably doesn't flare me or I know doesn't flare me because whatever I've come up with in my mind yeah. Or to allow myself, give my permit myself permission to be fully engaged with the people that I'm, you know, interacting yeah. with and to have a layer that I deserve because I'm human and I'm not just consumed by, you know, my illness. And so talking about this is another great component um, that people need to realize. I like you stole the words literally right out of my mouth. Like I, I knew you were going to go there and I was just like so excited because I'm like, yeah, yeah I was, if you didn't, I would have, you want to choose the path of least resistance. What is going to yeah. at the core make you feel better? And they might both make you feel, you know, kind of similarly, but which one makes you feel a little bit better? And it might be making the conscious decision to not eat it too. That might very yeah. well be yeah. the decision, but all of it within reason, right? Conscious thought, conscious intention behind what you're doing, not just blindly going, oh, well, all my friends are having a margarita, so I'm going to have one too. Like genuinely thinking through it and taking that extra moment and taking that extra moment for yourself and really checking in with your mind and your body and your soul might look like, your friends all order a margarita, you're not 100% sure yet. And so you wait until the server comes back the next time to decide. That's okay, right? Like as long as at the end of the day, you know that that decision that you made was actually made with true intention, right? And you are conscious mm-hmm. about it. So at the root of literally all of this, what we want you to remember is that following any sort of extreme diet, extreme protocol, especially for extended periods of time will keep you in that fight, flight, or freeze mode in many different ways. And it will lead to and keep you in a dysregulated nervous state. And then also at the root of all of this is that nervous system regulation, right? And that's something that you're going to hear us talk so much more about, but because that's something that we're both delving so much more into in our, in our lives and also just in learning and in working with clients and the the things that we're doing and the people that we're talking to. And so Mm -hmm. we like, seriously cannot, I don't know. I feel like this all feels like a brand new chapter. And for me in many ways, this, like this week specifically, in onward is a new chapter of my life, which we'll talk about next episode, but it's crazy because it's like same, same, but different, you know, like I feel like that's what Mm -hmm. makes us such a strong duo within the autoimmune community as we're so similar in a lot of ways, but we're so different in a lot of ways. And the ways that we come together is like so freaking beautiful. And it's like the perfect yin and yang. (laughs) 
Yeah. I mean, yes, everything, everything, everything. And <laughs> I just want to say, I'm so proud of us for like, just being able to embark on this journey without like any real criticism on ourselves or towards each other and in a place of non-judgment and you know we're creating that space for each other which has created mm -hmm. a space in the community for other people to do that you know um i think that's really powerful and i'm excited to see you know what the next couple years looks like you know mm -hmm. not just with this podcast but who we are as a person and what we're into, what, what are, you know, the things that we're investing yeah. ourselves into. And we're just, sure. I'm just excited to continue to share that with you guys. I know it, it also, I am so grateful for the space that you guys hold for us every single time, the energetic space that you hold for us every single time that you listen to these episodes, because energy knows no time, energy knows no space. And so when you are listening to this, you are holding space for us emotionally, mentally, mm -hmm. spiritually. And so thank you allowing us to be vulnerable in order to hopefully help you and guide you and show you some light and maybe make you laugh once in a while. Um, but I also like Erica, I want to specifically thank you too, because I like, obviously when we, when we first started this podcast, we've talked about it a lot. We didn't really know each other very well at all. Yeah. And we've like really, really grown to be such close friends through this time. Like you really are one of my closest friends. And I appreciate so much that I can literally call you. I'm like getting teary eyed. I yeah. like can call you whenever I need to. I can text you whenever I need to. I like know that I have that person that genuinely gets it and will not ever come at anything that I say with judgment. And that's yeah. something that's not easy to find in a friend and like, especially in the autoimmune community, because we're fucking blessed. Like we're so blessed to have this. And I really hope that every person out there is able to find something, even if it's just from listening to this, I hope that you feel that from us too. Oh, <laughs> don't. Uh, yes. I mean, I absolutely feel the same way. It's, it's really nice to not just have, you know, a business partner, but a friend and someone that you can actually trust and who like values what you share and respects mm -hmm. what you share and, you know, is just open to what you have to say. And I think it's pretty fucking crazy how our journeys aligned mm -hmm. and it, just all the stuff that we talk about. Like, I just, I tell my husband all the time, I'm like, it's pretty crazy that I can have a podcast with Rachel without one barely, you know, knowing her at this, obviously when we started this yeah. journey, we didn't know each other, but like two, how similar, like you mm -hmm. said, I know we're, we, we kind of, you know, we're totally different humans, but at the same time, like we know a lot of the same information mm -hmm. and we can talk so deeply about these things together. Like, it's yeah. not like I ever mentioned something and it's like, you know, you're like, why well, I don't get it. You know, it's yeah. like, we always that's know such a good how point. to, like, yeah. that's, that's pretty fucking crazy. And we're so like anyways, constantly the same thoughts and all of that. That's like a really good, you know, indicator of just how much we've grown in our own ways, but in similar ways at the same time, you know, we have very, mm -hmm. like our paths are right next to each other. And while we're picking different types of flowers along the way, they're coming mm -hmm. together and making this beautiful bouquet that we get to share with the world. And it's like so yeah. exciting. Love that. Always coming in with the analogy. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, we're excited to continue on this path of talking about nervous system regulation and ways that uh, you can help yourself regulate yourself. So 
We'll talk to you on the next episode. Help yourself, regulate yourself. Goodbye. Yeah. Yeah. Bye. <laughs> that was good. Yeah. I-